Good morning. How are we? Got me study books. <laughs> Got your Bible. Sorry, you need a Bible for this morning. I do apologize if I didn't give you advance notice. So I'm going to try and sit down. This is going to be really hard for me because I like to move around. So I'm going to attempt to... So have me some grace. Is that okay? So hopefully it's a little bit more of a teaching this morning rather than me just jumping around and preaching at you. Is that okay? How are we doing? Have we started the year well? Not so well? Keeping up with your... Uh, Commitment to whatever you said you were going to do, go to the gym three times a week or no, everyone's no, okay, so far in. But um, don't get too discouraged, go again. Um, we're starting a series called the How To Series, and I'm going to look at this morning how, I'll ask you the question, right? We're looking at reading the Bible. How do you read the Bible? How do you read it? And I don't mean like I get up in the morning, I start at Genesis. I mean, how do you approach it when you read it? You know, I, you know what kind of, I'll ask you this other question. What was one of your favorite books when you were at school? If you were like me, you just didn't like reading. Anybody not like reading? Just really did not like reading. I couldn't put the words in it together. I just struggled understand reading. So I had a real struggle with reading. So for me to stand here now saying I've done a master's, that is by the grace of God, I'm telling you, because I did not like reading. But there was one story that I did like. It was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Anybody remember that? Did anybody like that? Why did you like it? What was it about it that you liked when you read that book? Maybe when you read the Bible, maybe you approach it like this. And just bear with me. Maybe you approach it like a history book. Here we go. A history of Christianity. Anybody want this? 45 pounds. Going once. Going twice. Any more bids? Yeah, honestly, it might change your life, but it might not. Okay, so just uh, get that, Rob. You might approach it as a history book, looking at the facts of you know, what happened in the beginning of creation. You might look at it as a history book. Does anybody look at it like that? We can find out about this person, Jesus, what happened to him and why these Christians were. The... You can look at it as a history book. Or maybe you approach it like this. I had a new car recently, and I got quite excited looking at a little book inside the car, the car manual. Does anybody else get excited? John, do you get excited about them? No, no, okay. He did put his hand up said he didn't like reading, so I thought he might get excited about that. But, you know, you may look at the Bible as a, like a car manual or a gardening manual. You look at it and think, oh, I've got a problem. How do I solve this problem? You know when your light bulb's not working in your car and you can't get the thing off because it's, like, so complicated. It's like, I just want to put a light bulb in. I have to go to the book and find out how to solve the problem. And I thought, oh, okay, I have to turn it that way and move it. Oh, it comes off. You may approach the Bible like that. I've got a problem, and I need to find out how to solve this problem. So I'm going to open the manual up and start to read it. Anybody look at it like that? No? I'm going down a rabbit warren here then, aren't I? Or maybe you approach the Bible like this. You read it as a dictionary. Anybody remember dictionaries back in the day? When every child had a dictionary in their drawer. You're sorry if I've lost that younger generation. You can Google now. Before that, we had a hand dictionary. It was a little book about this big. And if you were really cool, you had a French one as well. Right? You had a French dictionary or German or Spanish. But you had a dictionary, and this is what you did. When you wanted to know what a word meant, rather than Google, you went into a book and you opened it up. And you're like, what, do, what does this mean? What is this word? And you would look in your dictionary. Maybe you approach the Bible like that. Maybe you think, I need to know what this word means. I need to know what I believe. What do I believe about my faith? 
What, 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 are, what are the, these things called the doctrine? I need to know what they are so I'll study them so I know what I believe and I know what the words. Does anybody approach the Bible like that? You're all going quiet. Nobody dares put their hand up. You, you know where I'm going. So here's a dictionary. Does anybody want this? 75 quid. The dictionary of the Bible, what every person needs. Okay, maybe I'm just playing. Or maybe, anybody like atlases? Or, okay, let's take it another level. Anybody like, let, where's Wally? Right, that's my level. Right, I can do them. Picture books. Anybody like picture books? Nonfiction. Come on. I loved a nonfiction. But here's the deal with an atlas. You might approach the Bible like an atlas. I'm feeling a bit lost. I don't know where I am in the world. So I'm going to look in here. I can see where God is. Where do I fit in all of this? stuff called life. Anybody approach it like that? Maybe you do. And you know, those I think are okay. I think we can approach it in that way, but I think there's another way. And you might not agree with this. This is one way, but I believe this is, it's helpful for me. And I found this way really helpful. I don't believe it's written like this, but what it does do, it creates the opportunity for it to be this. So are you ready? I believe this is more of a play. It's a drama. There's a stage. There are actors. Are you with me? So, you know, I'm not sure I look at it like that. Or maybe you look at it like a film or a movie and you just turn it on and you look at it from a distance but you don't engage with it. I believe this is written like a play. It's not got lines and scenes and written exactly like a play, but it does the job of a play. I'm getting itchy on my seat because I want to start preaching. Does this make sense? Are you with me? So what kind of book is it? I believe it's more of a drama and a play that's acted out on a stage for all of us to be a part of. You see, the New Testament doesn't look like that kind of book, but I believe it's what God wanted. That's if you believe that this book is exactly how God wanted it to be. Do you believe that? And I know there's a humanity within this that men and women put it together, mainly men, put it together, but I do believe there's a divine element to it as well, and we can't take that out of it. So I do believe God's put this New Testament together for us in the way that he wanted it. Would you agree on that? Well, we can debate that, but I believe God has put it together in the way that he wanted us to have it. So I ask the next question now. I'm just getting you thinking this morning. Why was it written? Why was the Bible written? Have you ever sat there and thought, why was this written? I'm going to give you a scripture, John 4, 13 to 15. You might not agree with me this morning, but I believe if you listen and explore, then maybe God will show you some things. John 4, 13 says this, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Now he's talking to a woman at the well. This woman at the well, she was a Samaritan. Don't really engage with Jews. We haven't got time to go over that. But she, was, she had a desire for something. But her desire was not being met by God. It was being met by lots of different relationships and men in her life. And Jesus interacts with her and he said, if you knew the gift that God had for you, then you would ask. So then he gets to this point. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, the natural water. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw 
water. I believe the Bible takes us to the place where this woman is. It takes us to the place of an invitation. The story's written, the account that's there brings us to the point of an invitation. And what will you do with what God is offering you? I am offering you a gift. What will you do with it? It is available for you. Living water that this woman needed to be satisfied with. It brings us to the point of, yes, this is the story, but do you want to be part of the new story? You see, new covenant or new testament means new covenant. So she's invited into something. I'm just going to give you a little brief overview then of the Bible, of the bigger picture that we need to put in rather than just this invitation. So the bigger story is this, and you'll all know this, it's a drama of heaven and earth. That's the bigger picture, heaven and earth. It's the story obviously of God and the world, of creation we read in Genesis but also his covenant. This is really important, his covenant. His commitment to his creation, but also to people. Really important. But then, it's also the story of that creation being spoiled by Adam and Eve rejecting God, and it spoils the creation. It damages the world, the creation itself, but also it damages people because that covenant, that relationship is broken. But then we have the New Testament or the new covenant that God comes to restore the covenant or the relationship with his people. There is an invitation of that covenant and he comes to restore all of creation in its sense in the hero who is Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you still with me? I know it's a bit more teaching, but I'll get up in a minute and I'll preach at the end. But I really think, feel it's important that we have the bigger picture in mind. But to understand in that story, God is inviting us into a new story or the new creation or the new covenant or the New Testament as we read it. So it doesn't just come as a history. It doesn't come as a movie that you watch from a distance, but it comes as a drama that has a stage that you are invited to be a part of and to be on, which is the new story or the new creation. You still with me? So John 4, let's carry on reading. 16 to 19. This is Jesus now. He's presenting her with the gift. He's presenting her with the opportunity of new life, this water. That's what speaks to her. Jesus uses other examples, but for her, it was water. They were at a while. He was using what they knew. He says this. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands. I don't know how she did that. Five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. You see, Jesus has to take it a little step further than just an invitation. He has to go to her 
covenants. She's made lots of covenants with different men, and she has broken because it's not satisfied her relationally. It hasn't satisfied her spiritually. So Jesus comes to her and offers us the gift of eternal life. But there is an issue of something gets in the way, which is the broken creation. But Jesus comes and says, I want to offer you a new covenant. I want to restore the relationship that you need, and it's first with God. But you need to accept that you have made mistakes, and if you want the new, then you're going to have to get right with God and restore the covenant so you can have the blessing of God. Are you with me? So the Bible itself has an invitation, but in that invitation, it offers a covenant. And that covenant, in order that you fully experience what God has for you, you have to do one thing, two things, accept the invitation and then sign into the covenant. You know, when I met Sarah, I was like besotted with her. You know, one of those moments when you meet people you really like, I really liked her. Can I be honest? I really liked her. And I was like, I want to, so I'll embarrass her. I want to know this girl. So you get talking to it. I get talking, hey, there, go on conversation. You know, you put your best show on it. Not that I've got a best show, but you put your best show on for someone, and then you're like, oh, this is not really me, but I'm going to pretend I'm. So you do that. I'm like, but I really like her now. And then I want to know her even more. I want to get intimate with her. But before I get intimacy, what do I need to do? I've got to, I've got to marry her. I've got to have commitment to her. I need her to commit to me because because that intimacy is meant to be in covenant where there's trust and we don't hurt each other or break each other after, but we're lifelong committed to that covenant to one another. Yes, we will make mistakes, but we know we've signed in this for life. Does this make sense? So intimacy can only be found in covenant commitment. Really important. You want everything God has. Yes, there's an invitation of the gift, but you've got to sign in. You've got to be devoted and commit to and say, okay, I want to know this God. I want to know about what he offers me. It's available. It's a free gift. So, you know, Jesus says this, and I'm jumping on to something else now. Two seconds. Are you still with me? Is this helpful? So there's a bigger picture. There's a stage or drama that God's created of restoring his creation and his covenant. And that covenant is restored through Jesus Christ. So, and you know what? This can be your story too. The story of chaos where God brings order can be your life too. Where he restores sense out of your nonsense. Have you ever had one of the moments where God does something you might, might make sense now? It didn't then, but now it makes sense. Or he breathes hope into the world of chaos. This can be your story. Or he pours warmth or love into our cold hearts. This can be your story. And yes, it contains history, of Jesus and his followers, and poetry, biography, all of those things. It's like a car manual. But without, without the, the larger story of God's creation and covenant, we will miss it. So, next question I'm going to ask. Are you still with me? If I'm going to read this, where is it going to take me? Okay? I'm going to read this. Where are we going when I read it? You know when you line the witch in the wardrobe, you lead it, you go into Narnia, right? That, that's where you go. Where does this book take me? I'm going to give you two things where this book, book will take you if you read it and you become a part of the story. There's an invitation for you to come to Jesus and be a part of his story. So, 
Next one, John 4. Jesus goes from the woman asking for the gift, dealing with her covenant, restoring covenant, and then he does this. She says this to him. Sorry, he says to her, John 4, 22 to 23. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For you, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So where is it going to take us when we follow this? When we become a part of the story, when we, when we become an actor on the stage, what will it look like? It will look like this. You will learn to worship. You will learn what worship is and you will start to worship the God and that worship will be reflected where you are, in your family, in your job, wherever you live, that will be reflected. Does that make sense? So if you don't want to go there, it's no problem, but it's going to start to reflect him as you're with him. As you gain intimacy, it will start to reflect in your life, your attitude, the way you think, the way you see will begin to change as you worship him. Are you still with me this morning? You're very quiet this morning. Maybe I shouldn't have sat down. Maybe it's put you at unease. I'm going to read you this. You ready? There's an elderly lady. Maybe this will make you smile. An elderly lady. I'm not good at telling jokes. It's a joke. There was an elderly lady well known for her faith and for her boldness and for talking about it. You know those people. She would stand on a front porch and shout, praise the Lord. You know those people. It's probably me and my house. Next door to her lived an atheist. You know those people. He would get so angry at her proclamations, he would shout, there ain't no Lord. Hard times set in for this elderly lady. And she prayed for God to send her some assistance. She stood on a porch and shouted, praise the Lord. God, I need food. I'm having a hard time. Please. Lord, send me groceries. I think it was COVID. The next morning, she couldn't believe it. The lady went out on a a porch and saw a large bag of groceries. She shouted, praise the... You getting it? The neighbor jumped from behind the wall. Aha! I told you there was no Lord. I brought the groceries. God doesn't exist. The lady starts jumping up and down, clapping her hands. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! He not only sent me groceries, but he made the devil pay for them. (laughs) Got you laughing. There you go. I'm not good at telling jokes. The point is this. Is that worship? Not convinced it reflects the... Maybe you think it is worship, calling your neighbor a Satan or whatever. I don't believe it is. Here's the deal. Ready? Let's read Colossians 3, 9 to 11. This is Paul teaching people to live in the new covenant. What the new creation looks like as you worship God. He says many other things about lifestyle and what they're doing. But I just want to touch on this. He says, do not lie to each other. Now, we could do a whole thing on that. Why is lying really important? Not lying, sorry. Don't lie. Get that right? Because it breaks covenants. 
How did God's covenant get broken in the beginning? Satan came and lied to Adam. Adam believed it and it broke the covenant. So watch out for lying because it damages people and it damages you. So Paul's saying, do not. So in the new covenant, we do not lie. We do not lie. Now we do, sometimes we get it wrong. But what do we do? We say sorry and we ask for forgiveness. Restore covenant again. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. And here's, here's, here's the line that I want you to remember, which is being renewed. How is it renewed? How do we renew? How do we understand the new life? How do we understand how to worship? It's renewed in the knowledge of what? In the image of the, its creator. So how do we walk in the new? How do we worship? We get to understand the designer of the, of the creation. And as we get to understand him, who he is, that image starts to reflect in us and through us. He begins to change us. Is this making sense? So this is worship, right? I'm going to get up. This is worship. I've sat down long enough, okay? Just simply what worship is. Are you ready? The woman has a need. She's, she has a desire, a hunger, or we, what we would call a lament. God, I need something. So the stages of worship is, God, I have a need. Are you with me? Then we go to God, who is interceding for us, and he gives us what we need of our need. Does that make sense? Really simple. Come as we are in faith. God, he's interceding for me. He begins to change me. As I am studying the scripture or singing to him or reflecting, I come to him. But to understand who he is so that we don't get weird and whack, we need to go to this. Because these are the guide. This is the guidance on what he is like. Does that make sense? So worship is lament, God transforms, and then the outworking, is. and I loved what Ethan said this morning, it points to the creator and gives glory to him. Does that make sense? So we lament, God, we cry out for you, we need transformation, there is a lack in me, God gives us what we need, and then we point to God and say, God, all glory to you. Does this make sense? That is worship. So the Bible is going to lead you, invite you into the new covenant, and then it's going to lead you to worship. That's where it'll take you. And if you don't want to go there, don't read it. Sorry, should I say that? Because it's going to take you there. But if you're hungry and you're lamenting and you want it and you're hungry and you're lamenting and I want transformation, I'm tired, I'm tired, I need you, God. He's going to come. He's going to come with power into your life as you lament and desire and pray and come and come to his word. How is he going to change you? Through the image of the creator. As you read the scripture, it will, something will happen in your life. If you come with the posture of hunger, he's going to come, you're going to be with him, and the creator's image is going to start to be imparted into you. And all of a sudden you'll go, I just don't want to lie anymore. What? Worship. Worship. I don't want to tell people, I don't want to talk behind their back. Worship. Because that's not what the creator does. He doesn't, he doesn't break covenants. He doesn't damage people. He loves people. He loves people. Does this make sense? Are you with me? So he's going to lead you to worship. And worship reflects him. It's in the image of the creator. Because it's a new creation. You're walking into his creation. You don't make it. You don't design it. He's made it. You just have to go to him. And the spirit in you will work it out. And all of a sudden you'll find yourself in a new life. I like that. Is that okay? So 
You don't make the creation, he's made it. But you walk in it. So, he's going to lead you to worship. That's where the Bible takes you. The second place then, it's going to take you. Oh, I'm tired now, I need to sit down. Can I have my water? Glad I put this seat here. So, the second place then it's going to take you. If you read this, you, you're invited into the new, you discover the covenant, you start to grow in the knowledge of God through reading this. And by the way, not just reading it, but on your stage where you are, you start to become the actor. You start to act it out and you'll find that the lines that you've been given, the clothes that you've been given are the right fit for your theater production. Are you with me? It's a play. You can watch it from the distance and say, hey, them Christians, that's really nice. No, that's not the point. He's inviting you to get in the play. You've got a part. Sorry, I get excited about that. Sit back down, Paul. So let's read the next one. This is, this is where it's going to take you. So John 4, 39. Let's see where the woman ends up. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So she gets, encounters Jesus. This is what she says. He told me everything I ever did. By the way, he didn't judge her or condemn her, but he gave her a new hope for a new life. We don't know the fullness of that life, but I would guess after really encountering Jesus, she was never the same again. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. They wanted to know the word. And he stayed two days, and because of his words, because of his words, many more became believers. So where does this lead us? It leads us to mission. When we read the Bible, it's gonna, it's, if you really seek God and desire God, what's going to happen is you're going to get hunger to help people. Now, the church can do something, but that's not the point. The point, the Scriptures tells us, is to quit the people to go and do the works. Are you with me? So some of you, you're going to be doctors or nurses or teachers or whatever. God is positioning you in a, on a stage and it, that, that is your theater where you are. And you are to model what worship looks like in that environment. Or if Paul says this, you are to be lights in a corrupt world. That's what you're called to do. I believe it leads us to two places. Worship, love for God, and love for people. And also we become missional people. We are sent into this world to tell people about Jesus and to model what it looks like to live as a new creation. Are you still my friends? No, you might not read your Bible like this. That's perfectly fine. But I believe this is how God has made it. There is an invitation for us to be in the story. Not from a distance, but that story to become alive for us so that we can testify of what God is about. Our love for him, what he's done in the new creation, the covenant, restoring that through Jesus. And then we go and we forgive people and we model what it is to model the new covenants. So where does this leave us? I believe this. This is what I want to touch on this morning. If nothing else, have a hunger to get to know God. How am I going to do that? Read the scriptures. Read the scriptures. Now, if you're not sure about something, come and ask. The scriptures can be read alone, but they're not meant to just be studied alone. 
And the reason is for that is because people can do things with it that it's not meant to be done. What, what, what do you call, what do you call um, an isolated Christian? Strange. Sorry, it's not biblical. What do you call a charismatic isolated Christian? Really strange. I mean, there's some of them around. Study the scripture, yes, but study it so that you're accountable, so you don't just go off with an idea and say, this is what God's saying, is it? That's why we should read scripture or be accountable. We're part of AOG, right? That makes us accountable with what we believe. So we don't just create wild things and go off as wild people and become weird, right? Does this make sense? We don't want weird, charismatic Christians. We want people who are grounded in God and in love and model his image to this world. So, I believe God is calling us to study the scriptures so we can have a knowledge of him. And as you do that, you'll grow in a knowledge of him. It propels you to worship and to love him and to love people and to do what God wants you to do in this world, whatever that looks like for you. You know, I was thinking about this and I wasn't quite sure how to finish. I was thinking, where, 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 where is the stage? Where's my stage? Where's your stage? And I felt this phrase come to me this morning as I got up, and it was this. You ever seen this? It's at a theater near you. Have you heard that phrase? It's at a theater near you. Yeah, it's coming to town. You know the latest show? Where? It's at a theater near you. And I felt that phrase this morning that God wants to encourage you. Where is your stage? It's where you are. You, you can't get any nearer to God than where you are. Because if you believe the scriptures, it says... Through faith, you are in Christ. And if you're in Christ, that means Christ is in you. And if Christ is in you, that means Christ is with you. And if he's with you, he's going to work through you. How will he work through you? By transforming you and then channeling his love through you. Where? Exactly where you are. That is your stage. So when you go tomorrow, you go to work, guess what? Your Monday is your Friday. What do I mean? You get excited about Friday night because no work? No, you better get excited about tomorrow because you're on stage. Are you with me? Oh, I didn't think that. I thought I'd come to church and it's like, that's the place God is. No, he's right in the middle of it. Because he's with you and he's in you and he's working through you. But if you're not ready for it, you'll just go through Monday and go to work. Oh, they do me head and go back. No, 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 no. He's there. He's there. He's there. He's right there in the midst of your pain, suffering, drama. He wants to engage with you in it and through it so that you can become a testimony and a story to those people who have seen you. When you used to moan and complain, something's changed. It might not be dramatic, but it might be in the quietest of your heart that God's working in here. And all of a sudden, something changed. You reflect something different, and they see it differently. Jesus says this in Matthew. You are the light of the world. You know, in John, John wouldn't write it like that. Oh, no, John wouldn't put the disciples as a, oh, oh. That was the spirit moving. He says, it's time now. Paul, you've said enough. My wife's just told me off for leaving the lid off. Sorry. But John wouldn't write it. Why? Because John, John wanted Jesus to be the main thing that they focused on. So John, he was the word of God. 
with God made, God made flesh. But Matthew, he wants to make disciples. So he tweaks it and he says this, you are the light of the world. Yes, he is the light of the world, but you will begin to reflect his light as you focus on him in a dark world. You know, I believe God, when he asks us to do this, he doesn't leave us and say, you get on with it. He says, I want to empower you where you're at. So you're not on your own. God Almighty is with you. You know the name for Almighty. You read in 80, Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place. I read it the other week. It means well loved. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. The word there for Almighty it means this, the God of the armies. The God of the armies. Every army, every power, he is the God of. And that God is in you. So wherever you go, you are loved. Wherever you go, your eternity is safe. Whatever opposition you face, the God of the armies is on your side. Do not fear. Do not be afraid, he says. Now, I know it's a journey because I'm trying to learn this and learn who I am and who I am in him and how secure I am and how safe I am. But the God of the armies, man, the God of the armies is with you. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. You are loved by Jesus. I just want to take a moment just to pray for us. Where's your stage? It's a theatre near you. You've got drama going on? Guess what? That's the drama that God wants to be involved in. There's a call to worship. And there's a call for you to get on the stage and to become an actor. Not an actor as in fate, but act out the very purposes of God that he has for you in this generation. I want to pray and I want to just do two things. The first one. As I said in here, it comes to an invitation. And an invitation, what it means is God is inviting you to come into the new story. You, you don't have to, but I believe that's where the Bible will take you. And maybe you've never gone, do you know what, God? I want to be on this new, in this new covenant. I want to be. And in order to do that, there's another thing that some of us need to do. It's this. You need to accept that you're broken and that you need your covenant or brokenness restored. Maybe you feel like you're just not happy or you're not satisfied. Well, I want to tell you this. First, get on with the invitation. Come to God and God will restore that covenant with you. And as he does, you can journey with him as you read the scriptures and get to know how loved you are. Some of us, we want a quick fix and do it now so that I know it doesn't work like that. It's a journey of you committing not just your heart, but your mind to studying who God is. So if you come with just with a half-hearted, yeah, but it didn't happen, it didn't fix it, and why doesn't it solve it? Because you need to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your mind. And unless you choose to be committed to the covenant and the scriptures, then you will not discover the fullness of what God has for you. Is this making sense? And some of you, you may be here and you say, I'm, I'm partly committed, but I'm not really experiencing the fullness of God. God is inviting you, number one, into the covenant. But you have to first make a choice and say, do you know what? I'm going to be committed to him. I'm going to be committed to studying what he says, not what my past says, not what my old life says, but what he says.
And as you do that, I'll tell you this, things will begin to happen. Things will begin to change. You might not even be able to articulate or explain with words what is happening, but you'll know something is happening as he begins to transform your heart and change your view. You forgive those who've hurt you and you become detached from that voice in your life and you attach to the voice that means more than what that past says about you as you seek him and commit to him. Does, is that okay? So I don't know where you're at with any of that. I don't know how you read the Bible. You may read it as a dictionary. You may read it as a history book. Those things are perfectly fine. But I want to encourage you to read it as a drama of a story that you were invited into. And make a choice. I'm going to, be, I'm going to respond to his invitation. I'm going to respond to him calling me to study about him so that I can grow in the knowledge of God, the knowledge of my creator. So let us just bow our heads. You know, there's no rush. Maybe some people this morning, I felt like there were some people who've broken relationships. I felt like somebody had lost their mom and it was hurting and it was damaged and you want your mom back and rightfully so because you loved your mom or even your mom wasn't nice to you and that damaged you. But, you know, relationships hurt and then out of that hurt, that's how we see the world. I feel like God wants to do some restoration in your life. God wants to restore. He wants to heal you. There's maybe people here who've never responded to the invitation of the gospel. That God came into this world, sent Jesus to die for our sins, to pay for that price. So that you can have a relationship restored to God and know his love. The gift that he offers, which is right with God, is available through Jesus. And if you're here and you've never done that, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. You've heard the story of creation. It was messed up, but God has come to restore that. And if that's you right now, I want you to pray in your heart with me. Say, God, I thank you for the invitation. I thank you for Jesus. God, today I choose to make a decision to receive your forgiveness and your love. Forgive me for everything I've ever done. When I've hurt people or people have hurt me, I choose to forgive them. But Lord, I thank you that you forgive me. I thank you that you died for me. I thank you for this opportunity. I receive you in the name of Jesus. Amen.